UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, howling in the street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have another, tonight's going to be a, like a banger, another banger show for you guys. Um, it's going to be awesome. One of my favorite guests is back. We really kind of built a great team to working together. Me and Jim Gerard. he comes up with these good storylines to go over. Um, not storylines, but like kind of like research that he's dug into. And then he presents it to me and then we kind of like talk about it. And then the show's have gone from, we've talked about everything from time travel to um, the UFO phenomena to interdimensional reality to, I mean, anything you can think of. I mean, we've talked about the Mandela effect, CERN, Egyptian scryers, uh, bird language, every, everything you can think of, dice code divination, um, his new book, The, the Matrix, uh, things about the, the, the world we live in, um, Hinduism, uh, uh, Jim used to work at the Harry Krishna temple. So he's real familiar with that stuff. He's real familiar with ufology. Um, he's the author of the books, Dice Code Divination and the Matrix is the Glitch. Um, that's his newest book, the rate that the Matrix is the Glitch. And uh, yeah, with all that said, I want to give him a big warm welcome to the show. Jim, thank you for coming back on. How are you? Thanks for having me on. 21st interview. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, now, I, I, uh, I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to see if I could share the screen so we could we could do. Uh, um, wait, did you say it's your twenty first interview? Yes. That's pretty cool. That's real cool. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna see if we can share your your, your thing you wrote up so uh, so everybody can see it. Um, uh, it should be fine. It just might take me a second. While I'm trying to pull this up, do, can you tell everybody? like the um the background to to like what we're going to be talking about tonight just like everything that you kind of put together okay you've heard about the uh, marvel movie black panther yeah okay there's uh, an ancient secret uh that's being revealed in that movie and it's a, a secret of a, what's called a black root science Yeah, and what's that mean? Well, black root science is the uh, the the history of the the black race, and the it's the real story of the the Holy Bible. The, oh, the but does that come from Ethiopia then? Um, I'm not sure. I'm just starting to study it, so I don't. Yeah, know we're gonna we're gonna go over it. Let me see if we can see you can see my screen. Um, were you able to see my screen? Yeah, I was just on a second ago. Uh, yeah. Are you able to see what you wrote up now? Yeah. Should be up now. Yeah. I just had to talk back and forth because I can't I can't um 
Unless I do it, you know. Okay, but I want you guys to be able to see it. So I'm going to start reading, and then we'll, I'll interject. Let me take this gum out. It says, uh, the Panther Marvel movie Wakanda. The Black Panther Marvel movie reveals an ancient, goes into great detail about ancient black history and the, the true origins of the Bible. I found a DVD rental store and wrote to Prince Michael to see if I could get an idea where they show it in the movie. I also went on YouTube and started watching Fruit Science to get an idea of true biblical history. All these topics are tied together in regards to Fred Bell, The Promise, Richard Stanley, and the Amanda Radcliffe, Maria Orsic, Pyramids of Egypt, and a reading is amazing, Jim. Should I just keep reading? Because I don't really have anything to say about that so far. Yeah, your audio is breaking up there, but it sounds all right now. Did you have anything you want to interject? No, your, your audio is good now. Okay, okay. Um, hold on, let me see if I can this microphone. Okay, oh shit, my microphone fell. Okay, wait a minute. Okay, I'm going to talk into the microphone. Even, even more. Sorry, okay, you know, that. I have it in my hand. So I have the microphone in my hand. It says, the story of Fred Bell. Now, if you guys don't know who Fred Bell is, Fred Bell was on show. Is that the Fred Bell you're talking about? You're breaking up again. Jim. Oh, sorry. I mean, I said, uh, I don't know why I'm breaking up. I'm talking to the microphone. The, the, uh, I said, are you, when, are you referring to Fred Bell that's on the Art Bell show? Um, What's that? It, there's a Fred Bell. Uh, oh, let me back. I don't, I don't know why we're. Does your computer have a With microphone? Who? Your computer, does it have a microphone? You're, you're cutting up too. I wonder why we're. I wonder why you're talking. Wait, hold on. Hold on one second. I'm going to do something. Just spare with me, guys. I think I know what's causing the problem. I had Zoom open. That could be making us. Can you say something now, Jim, just to test it out? Yeah, uh, I'm hearing you. I don't know if it's going to break up again, but I'm definitely hearing you. Can you hear me better now? Is it better? Uh, I'm hearing you, but I don't know if it's going to break up or be steady. Okay, let me, let me, I can switch my microphone. I have a computer microphone. Let me, let me switch it up. So Bryson appeared from the chat said, Jim's coming fine. I, I, why do I always have problems with this goddamn stream yard? It's never ending. It's always something with this goddamn stream yard. Like, let me see here. I'm trying to switch my microphone. It won't switch. I don't know. I don't know what to do. She says she keeps hearing a clicking. Wow. This is every time I try to. Maybe we should just try to use Zoom, Jim. What do you think? Uh, what I was thinking was we could shut it down, then I could uh, go back to my email and start it up again. No, you're fine. Can you guys hear me? Because, like, Jim. Jim, uh, let me let me see here. Can you guys hear me fine now? Because Jim's coming through fine. Azik, yeah, you're right. Streamyard is a bitch. Yeah, Azik's laughing about Streamyard. He's exactly right. It's it's honestly a problem all the time. Like, and I'm so, so sorry. Like, I'm not like unprofessional, guys. Like, I'm just gonna. Can you hear me now, Jim? Though. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Uh, Zoom is limited, I think, to 45 minutes. 
No, I have a membership, so I can I can go over and I can stream live right from Zoom if you would rather do it from Zoom. Well, let's let's try this one and see if it's steady. Okay, okay, I'm gonna keep if 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 if, if I'm not steady at any point, just interrupt me. I'm gonna keep start reading again, Maria. Yeah in the book, The Promise. Now, I believe this is Bell from the Art Bell Show that, that was on the Art Bell Show at one point. The story of Fred Bell in the book, The Promise, has to do with an amulet which has, was passed down to him in ancient Egypt. There was a group called the Knights of Atlantis who felt that the amulet was stolen and attempted to retrieve it. One, at one of the lectures, a member of the Knights of Atlantis pulled out a gun and demanded the amulet, but quickly apprehended and the gun took the gun away. On the back cover of the book is a painting of Semyazi, the female occupant of a flying saucer craft that landed where Semyazi met Billy Meyer in Switzerland. Semyazi told Billy Meyer that she was Pleiadian, partly true if you consider that she was with Pleiadians and maybe they have a past life connection where she was from the Seven Sisters star system. Semyazi was really Maria Orsich who boarded a UFO in 1945 and time traveled to the 1970s to meet Billy Meyer and told him she was Semyazi, a Pleiadian. Once I connected the dots and realized that Semyazi was really Maria Orsich, I posted a video on YouTube claiming my discovery. And five years later, Corey Good came out on a video stating the exact claim. That doesn't surprise me. I, I think he stole people's material before. And he says that Semyazi was actually Maria Orsich. Recently, Jim says he reopened YouTube channel and reposted Maria Orsett's revelation about her being Semyazi. Okay, so anything you want to comment on there before before we go on, Jim? Uh, I, I think the Fred Bell that we're talking about here is is the same Fred Bell that uh, showed up on the, uh, the the Art Bell show. Is is this the guy? Is this the guy that gave you credit? The one that has the time machine that gave you credit for making the time machine? No. Uh, um, uh, you would know that better than me. I'm trying to think who that guy was. I thought that was Fred Bell, right? Like, or was all, there a different know, guy? It had to be Fred yeah. Bell, right? There's a Fred Bell that uh, the book, The Promise, was written about Fred Bell. Uh, who who made the time machine? Who made the time machine that, that sells time machines where you have to go out in the woods to use it? Who's that guy? That's uh, Steve Gibbs. Okay, that's okay. I'm sorry. Steve Gibbs is the guy you know. That's that's what I have right. misconfused here. So sorry, I messed that up. That's that's my fault. Okay, so with that, all that said, like, what do you think is going on with Fred Bell, um, Sam Yazi, Billy Meyer, and and all this time travel stuff? Well, uh, the the reason I brought it up is because um, all of these things that are in this write up are all connected, and uh, you know, if, if I get a chance uh, sometime in this interview, uh, I, I'd like to tell you a story about. Uh, when I gave a copy of my book to a friend of mine who has a flea market. What happened? You might as well tell it. Well, I, uh, I gave him a copy of uh, Rise of the New Mythic Leaders. And um, he, he was at his store and he placed it on the counter. And um, this couple came in, a guy and his girlfriend, and he went in the back room for a minute. And when he came back out, the book was gone and the couple was gone. So he, he called me up on the phone to tell me that the book had been stolen. So I, I said to him, all right, I'll give you another copy so that they can steal that one too. Mm. You know, what would be interesting is if they made a they made a movie about all this stuff that you're talking about. Like if they mix in... Black Panther, Maria Orsic, Semyazi, Fred Bell. Like this would be a good movie. Like if I mean, it, like, it but it's all real. It, it would be an excellent movie if they could do it. 
Yeah, I'll continue reading. So no, the next chapter is Maria, Nazi UFOs, Maria Orsic, and the Knights Templar and the Brill Society. Maria Orsic was born in the late 1800s in Austria and in 1917 formed the Vril Society, consisting of mainly of women who ex had extremely long hair and they considered to be antennas for mediumistic channels. They used a purple black stone for demo divination. Oh, okay, this purple black stone would be the same stones that Amanda Radcliffe is using. Is that true, do you think? No. This okay, I'll continue reading. This stone that they used was, this was like around 1917. Okay, well, I was thinking maybe somehow Amanda Radcliffe got a hold of the stone. But anyway, it says, after meditating on a question and holding the stone in a hand, they would spin the stone in the middle of a round circle, and wherever the arrow painted on the stone would point to was the answer was written out on the circle. They received transmissions from Aldebaran and the constellation of Taurus. The symbols and letters were in Sumerian language and had to be translated by the Knights Templar. What they got was instructions for anti-gravity propulsion, something of great interest to the Nazi party who achieved anti-gravity from three sources, the channelings of the Brill Society, the retrieval of a crashed UFO in the Black Forest of Germany in 1936, and the expertise of Victor Schauberger, a renowned physicist. He, well, I think I think he was a physicist scientist. I, I, he was. He, I know that um, Robert um, Seffer. If you watch Robert Seffer's videos, he gets into that. He gets into. He did a whole video on Schauberger and anti gravity, and he was like showing like how fish like swim upstream and how it's like. Not, did, did you do you happen to see that, Jim? No, I haven't seen that one. No. Oh, do you do you know who I'm talking about though? Do you know who Robert Seffer is? Yeah, I think I've, I've, I've heard of him or seen some of his videos. Okay. But anyway, to continue, it says the Rural Society was nonviolent and eventually broke from the Nazi party in a separate direction. Um, is, is there anything you wanted to comment on about that? Uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up is, uh, you know, the connecting thread in, in all of these, these write-ups, especially this one. Is the idea about um, the mystical quality of stones and amulets and, and also meteorites are, are deeply connected with the mythological story of the hero's journey. Can you get into that a little bit deeper? Yeah, like, it, like in the hero's journey, there's a female counterpart called the uh, Confessor. And she's looking for the seekers so that the two of them can combine their male and female energies and destroy the evil empire. So she goes to the wizard and uh, she she's talking to the wizard and the guy that she's looking for is sitting at the table. But he doesn't know that he's the seeker. And, and she's saying to the wizard, uh, I need to find the seeker. And the wizard says, he, he's sitting right there at the table. And the, and the seeker says, no, 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 that's that's not me. I, I'm not, I, I'm nothing special. So the, the confessor, she has this book and she hands him the book and she says, open the book and read it. So he opens it up and he says, I have no idea what this is. I can't read it. So he hands it back to her and then she gives it back to him again. And she says, try it again. And he looks at it, and now he's able to read it. So the wizard says to him, you're the seeker, and uh, there was a reason why I never told you all these years. And, and then this, the second part of the story, you see the seeker standing in the middle of a circle, and he's holding a sword. And the wizard calls down a bolt, a light, a, a, a bolt of lightning, which hits the, the sword and it becomes a magical sword. And then the seeker and the confessor, they go to see this woman called the Oracle. And the Oracle gives them what's called a moonstone. And the moonstone is a, a psychic stone that leads them in the direction to find the fire-breathing dragon and the evil empire. And when they get there, the seeker kills the fire-breathing dragon with the magical sword. 
and then they destroy the evil empire. And they, this is the story that you're seeing in Star Wars. But I, I guess the overall theme is like that these power and magical stones over time, right? That this power of stones has always been there. <coughs> yeah, there's a lot of stones that have uh, mystical qualities and are directly tied in with the um, the hero's journey, you know, the, the mythological legend. Yeah, that's cool. I'll, I'll continue reading the next chapter is uh or in the next segment is uh richard stanley amanda radcliffe and the black healing stones richard stanley is a famous movie producer who made a movie with nicholas cage called the color of space what, what, for before we get into this like what was that movie about the color of space i never heard of it uh it's about a meteorite that lands in the backyard and uh i didn't see the whole entire movie but uh nicholas cage is there with his wife and his daughter, and they discover this uh, this meteorite that landed in their backyard. That's interesting. Okay, so he says he has a vast knowledge of names, dates, and places and events of the 12th century, especially in regards to the history of southern France. The Cathars in an area around the Pyrenees Mountains called Montségur, where the Cathars Cathars were executed by 20,000 stormtroopers of the Christian crusade because they possessed knowledge of a healing source called the language of the birds. And if you guys don't know about the language of the birds, you can go back to previous episodes I've done with Jim, where we've discussed the language of the birds in detail. Um, it's something that is on, it's in Jim's book. Jim covers it in his book. We've covered it in past shows. Um, and maybe we can go over it again. Just to, if we have new people, new people, Something passed down through the centuries. The language of the birds came from Adam and Eve, and the healing language due to the, the knowledge of sound, vibration, and pronunciation. Richard Stanley, along with Amanda Radcliffe, have been active in revealing the true history of southern France and the events surrounding the Cathars. Amanda Radcliffe has two black stones, which, when rubbed together, produce a blood-red liquid, which has healing properties. The stones were found in the stream of the Pyrenees Mountains. The two black stones are believed to be plucked from Lucifer's crown and the Orion Nebula by angelic emissaries who were there sent by ascended masters who wanted the stones to be to be on Earth to assist in humanity's next evolutionary step. Okay, here's here's my question, Jim. How do you think Amanda Radcliffe came across these stones? Uh, she was led to them by some visions that she had. That's pretty amazing. That's amazing in itself that like she had visions which led her to these stones and then all of a sudden like, you know, it takes her to the Pyrenees Mountains of France and she, I mean, is that kind of where she went? She went to the, I guess, the Pyrenees Mountains of France and got these stones? Like she just found them or what happened? Uh, no, she didn't just find them, like stumble upon them. Uh, initially, she wasn't really looking for anything, but she started having these these visions, and uh, I'm not really sure about that, but I, I believe that she was directed to the, the stream where the stones are, and that's how she found them. That's interesting. Oh, and I just wanted to say, guys, like um, for everybody that's watching live, you'll get a chance. We're almost done here with the presentation. We'll, you'll get a chance where you can ask Jim questions. So if you have any questions about any of Jim's books, Dice Code Divination, um, UFOlogy, uh, anti-gravity, time travel. Um, I'm trying to think of what else Jim covers. Some uh, readings. I don't think he's going to do readings tonight, but he can talk to you about how he does them. Um, you just put your questions in the chat, and we'll, we'll, we'll go. We'll get to that. Okay. So the, the next section of the, the missing hidden holy codes are found in the Stone of Orion. In 2012, Jim did a reading with the missing, missing whole, hidden holy codes that are found at the Stone of Orion. After thinking and meditating on this for 10 years, I decided to revisit what it might actually mean. So he spoke to a psychic in Norway. She pointed out that the Orion spelled backwards is Noir, a French word that means black and has ancient black knowledge of the true story that is emerging from a revelation of the collective memory. This pointed me to the ambassador Prince Michael the Black Panther movie, and the Black Root Science videos. The connecting thread here is that the significance of stones and amulets in the enlightenment process, whether they are magical, 
non-magical healing stones are historically significant. The black-purple divination stone used by Maria Orsic, the amulet that Fred Bell came in from ancient Egypt, the pyramids of Giza are stone, the gemstones plucked from Lucifer's crown, the Amanda Radcliffe black healing stones that turned blood red in the 2012 reading, the missing hidden holy codes are found in the stone of Orion. They all tie together and make sense of it if you think about it. Wow, that is a that is pretty amazing. So, what do you think the, the do you want to like conclude with anything before we get to like fan or the audience questions, or is there anything else you want to talk touch on on this? Yeah, I, I want to say two things. Um, the first thing is uh, green kryptonite. But uh, before I get into that, I'd like to say that, uh, you know, what I'm presenting here is a personal, you know, revelation. And I'm not really sure if what I'm uh, talking about actually means anything to anybody because everything that I'm presenting is is personal. Yeah, but I mean, it's all it's all back, baked up, backed up by some speculative facts that like these events actually happen, you know. So I mean, yeah. like you know, like the, the whole thing with Maria Orsic, the amulet, the red that Fred Bell found, um, the gemstones that that were plucked supposedly from and Amanda Radcliffe's black healing stones. Um, it's all some. It all ties into somewhat a reality. So. And, and 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 stones do have a magical property, you know. Like it's the, the, a lot of like people get healing from crystals, uh, geodes, gemstones. Like it's it's a it's a natural thing. But um, yeah. What, what did you think about that? Uh, I want to talk about green kryptonite. Okay. Yeah, green kryptonite is a meteorite from the planet Krypton, which kills Superman, okay? Now, most people think that the S on the emblem on Superman's chest, they think that the S means Superman, but it doesn't. What's it mean? It means the house of L spelled E-L. Oh, you know what? That's weird. That's funny. You said that that David guy, David Watherington, he he gets into the House of L too. What do you know about the House of L? Not too much, but uh, I, I wanted to say that the planet Krypton in the Superman story is Tiamat, which was blown up by the Death Star that you see in Star Wars. Oh, so like the, you mean like Tiamat from the the Enuma Elish? Like if you guys aren't familiar, Jim's referring to the Enuma Elish, where, uh, where like we we were once basically Tiamat, and then as the Anunnaki are coming into our solar system, like supposedly Nibiru runs in perihelium with our planet, supposedly, right? So as the Anunnaki are coming inbound, they encounter some kind of like uh, turbulence or something, and um, they they hit into Tiamat and Tiamat splits off. One of them becomes Earth and then Earth becomes Tiamat. You're saying there's a, a direct significance to that and what you think might be was the Death Star from Star Wars. Yeah. See, see what happened was, um, and this is this is the reason why I brought up the story about the book that I gave to that friend of mine at the flea market called uh, Rise of the Mythic Leaders is because everything that I wrote about in my second book is all about how society removed the mythological legends from books and movies and from education in the school system. And they did it for a reason. And then in 1935, when the Superman story came out, it, it took off like wildfire because Su Superman brings back the mythological story of the, you know, the, the hero's journey. And that's exactly what Star Wars did. Yeah. Well, what, what one thing that the audience is saying is that uh, that the the S is the inverted pentagram as well. Did you did you know? Uh, that? No, I don't know about that. I don't know anything about that. Okay. And then Lori just said L equals Elohim, so that would make sense. Like if the S represented the house of L, and L means Elohim, Elohim is Anunnaki. 
or we, we think of the Elohim as Anunnaki, so that would make sense that Tiamat would be like the Death Star. So the Star Wars could be like a retelling of the Enumalish in some way, like just more elaborated. Yeah, one of the characters in Star Wars is Anakin. Oh, that makes so, so much sense, like Anakin, Anakim, Anunnaki, because the Anakim were the giants in the Bible. They were the they were like the sons of the Anunnaki. Well, they don't say that in the Bible because the Bible doesn't want you to know about the Anunnaki. But there's there's traces of the Anunnaki in the Bible. I think they talk about Marduk a lot in the Bible. They talk about um, the Nephilim, the Rephaim. They talk about Inanna. And, the, and, you know, it's just like, it's weird how they, they spun certain characters in the Bible, but then they left like Enki and Enlil out. It was like they wanted to tell their story of Noah, but they didn't want to tell the Sumerian story where it's really Enki who goes to Atrahasis, which is really Noah, right? So Noah is actually named Atrahasis, or he's also known as Ziasudra, or he's also known as Untapishtim. And Enki goes to him and tells him that Enlil is going to blow up the earth or, you know, like flood the earth and he needs to build a boat. And you know, what's really interesting, Jim, I wanted to tell you this and I wanted to tell everybody this. Um, you guys can check out forbidden knowledge news. Um, his, his most recent episode with Matthew LaCroix. You guys should know if you watch my show, how much I look up to Matt and, um, Matt did a really good show with Christopher from forbidden knowledge news, where he tied together some of the sites and, um, in Turkey, which are like, um, Zeb Tepe, not not just Gobekli Tepe, but Zeb Tepe and Mount Ararat, where supposedly Noah landed, and Matt presents some pretty good evidence that like that actually that that actually happened that Noah landed, not just that Noah landed, but his sons like Shem and Japhet or whatever these characters, whatever they were, they went out and spread civilizations throughout the world. Like, it's pretty interesting. It's really it's a mind blow. It was a good one for sure. Yeah, the, the first three Star Wars movies were really good. Uh, you know, they consulted uh, Joseph Campbell, who was a mythologist, and and they really uh, uh, captured the uh, the hero's journey in those three first movies. But the, the second three movies, uh, they didn't consult Joseph Campbell. And I started watching all three of them, and I, I just thought they were boring as hell. Yeah, yeah. Well, one a couple other things I wanted to touch on before we uh we I mean we can take audience questions like if you guys have any questions for Jim, we can take your questions now until I have until like eight o'clock. So I have a half hour that I can bullshit with you guys and and talk with Jim. But um I I have some um some of the uh, chapters outlined from your book, Jim. If if you've seen if you wanted to touch on anything like did you have any updates on CERN or what you think CERN might be doing? No, I, I haven't heard anything lately. But what yeah, do you think? What last, do you think they're doing anyway? Like, what do you think is going on with that? Um, the the last thing I heard about CERN was that uh, it's become ineffective in the sense that um, everything that they've been trying to do has failed. And what do you think they're trying to do? They're, they're trying to open a portal. And, and allow you know demonic entities to come into this realm and and they want they want to change reality that to a certain extent i think they've already done that i was going to say do you think that they've changed the timelines and that's why we're seeing the mandela effect i think we've talked about this before but like do you think that's what the mandela effect is like a, a, or do you think it's many things right now the uh the hadron collider seems to be about the only uh the answer to to that question about what's causing the Mandela effect. Yeah, and honestly, like I I I say every day, like the Mandela effect is such a real phenomena that it's mind blowing. You know what I mean? Like it really it really like trips up my mind when I hear some of those Mandela effects and like what what like you could because like I don't think it's a a, a memory. I don't think it's a, a a thing of false memory. You know, I think it's what we really remember. Like, you know, like, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Um, all I know is um, the memories that I have are the original timeline because, uh, you know, I was there before all this Mandela effect started happening. 
yeah, when would you say like the first Mandela effect you noticed started happening? Was that was it Mandela? Because I know I heard it on Art Bell. I heard that was the first one I heard. I, I've talked about this before. I heard, you know, Art Bell say that he thought that Mandela effect died when in fact he actually lived. And like, what what are your thoughts on all that? Uh, I wish I knew for certain because, uh, you know, Benjamin Fulford said that uh, Mandela actually died in prison and the guy who ran for president was a lookalike. Or maybe a clone, maybe a clone. A robot, android, who knows? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and then uh, uh, some of the other chapters that you have in your book, uh, Exposing the Fake Narrative that Man Created God and Religion. Do you want to get into that at all? Uh, no, is there some other chapters there that you want to talk about? Um, frequency variants depend on your location. The monopole exists and the diapole is in your mind. Well, yeah, we talked about the monopole, which is a single pole that existed during the time of Atlantis. And it, it was somewhat of a uh, paradise on Earth because uh, duality and polarity did not exist. <laughs> they were getting 100% uh, of the energy from the universe from the monopole. And then when Atlantis sank as a result of flooding, that monopole turned into two poles and that's what we call the dipole. And that's what we're in right now, which is duality. And uh, do, you think, do you think we'll get back to the monopole? I think the monopole has been there all along. I, I think what's happening is the dipole is disintegrating. Or the, would that be like what you think is like the material world? Uh, no, not the material world, but the uh, the duality of the material world. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of what else. Um, I'm trying to think, is there anything else you wanted to cover tonight while, while we're still on? Uh, no, maybe we can take some questions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you guys have any questions, you can type them in the the um, the, uh, the thing. Uh, Beth had a question. She said, "Did Anki tell Noah to build an ark?" Yes, he did. He told it was Anki. If you read the Samaritan, see what like one thing that like um, that every every culture has. If you look around the world, is a flood flood myth. So that traces me back to think that yes, this flood actually did happen at some point. Like. Um, it was a, it was a big enough event that like multiple multiple cultures have them around the world. But the ones we most know of most are the Bible version, where it's like God tells Noah to build an ark, and the Sumerian version, where it's Enki tells Atrahasis, and Atrahasis is Noah. He Enki tells Atrahasis to build an ark, and the story's a little bit different, like I said. But like yeah, it's it's a, it's a, it's um yeah. Um, Zaza Demon says, uh, I've experienced Mandela effects prior to the term being coined. All the term did was way to conceptualize the phenomenon. Did you experience um, the, the effects before they were, before they were, the, the, uh, the term was coined as well, Jim? No. Hmm. See, that's, that's what I think too. Like, I, I didn't see them until they, they started popping up until, around after like 2001. Yeah, I, I, I've been, uh, you know, going down to Home Depot for many, many years now. And a couple of years ago, when I went there, it didn't just say Home Depot, it said the Home Depot. Yeah, this is another Mandela effect. Yeah, the word the was never there. Yeah, I mean, like this goes back to them saying, like, are we remembering stuff differently? I don't know if this is one you'll be able to answer. Um, hold on, let me see here. This is a question. We do have a question. Um, this is from Azik. He says, uh, "What are the fractals in relation to angels or demons?" I, I never thought of fractals as being angels or demons because. Fractals are geometric uh, 
repetitions of patterns. I, I mean, they could be angels and demons. I mean, who knows? I don't know the answer to that one. Yeah, that's a tough one. And, uh, and then Dean Thorpe has a question. He says, do you believe timelines merge? Um, if you know anything about Starfire Tor, uh, she's basically saying that uh, the, uh, the positive energies are going to dominate, but there is going to be this sort of, uh, I don't know if I should call it merging. It sounds more like integrating than merging. Yeah. So what would, uh, I, I, but by the way, I got a hold of Pigtail Girl. I, I, cause I can't get a hold of Starfire Taurus. So I figured I would try to get a hold of Pigtail Girl. I got a hold of Pigtail Girl. I'm setting up a podcast for her to come on if you want to do it with me. Cause I know well, you, that'll, you really, that'll, that'll be really cool. Yeah. Like I, I thought of you, you were the first person I thought of when I got a hold of her. Like I figured you could, we could do that together. That would be something. That's something yeah. I thought about. Um, as far as, sorry, go ahead, Jim. She knows pretty much uh, everything that Starfire Tours been saying because they've been working together for a couple of years now. Yeah. Um, the, this Zaza says in regards to the uh, Mandela effect, he says, look at Philip K. Dick's Mets interview back in the 70s. He's describing the Mandela effect without using that specific terminology. I don't know. I've never saw it. Like, um, yeah, the Mandela effect seems like it's kind of hard to trace it back to its beginnings. Yeah. Well, we know. I mean, like, I think like the the, the like with the internet. I think we can all agree on this that the internet kind of popularized the Mandela effect because that like before the internet, we could okay. I can see what Zaza's saying. I can see him saying the Mandela effect existed before the internet, but here's what I'm trying to say. I think the internet gave us a way for us to collect our thoughts and put it down on something to where everybody can see it. Because before then, maybe it was just by word, like people, like you said, the Philip K. Dick interview, like, well, how many people actually saw that? You know what I mean? That could relate similar ideas. Probably not a lot, you know, until now. When, where the internet's like fluent and information is being shared. So the fact that more information is being shared um, would, would only increase the phenomena and the way that the phenomena uh, that we're, that we are recognizing the phenomena because it's, we have an information source for it before we didn't have an information source for it. So it probably wasn't, you know, does that make any sense? Do you know what I'm trying to say? It's possible that the Mandela effect goes back uh, decades yeah, but like like we did we didn't have any way to conceptualize it because we it wasn't a theory then you know what I mean it was just like a it was just what it was you know like until like um, Dean Thorpe says uh, the similarity between the Mandela effect and timelines as in when a difference in a past i.e. what people are experiencing is no longer consequential. The, uh, the Mandela effect seems to be happening within the timeline. So, okay, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not like... You know, what I'm saying is initially you have a timeline, and in that timeline, the Mandela effect is happening. Yeah, like, so it's not happening outside of a timeline is what you're saying. Yeah, I, I think they're separate. Uh, the Mandela effect is sort of like uh, something that's happening in the timeline, but there's no there's no similarity there. It's just that, you know, it's like you have a box, and inside the box is a pair of shoes. <laughs> the Mandela the Mandela effect only exists because of timelines. So the different Mandela effects might exist on different timelines or different versions of reality exist on different timelines. Therefore, something that would be like that we would consider the Mandela effect would definitely exist in an alternate reality. It just might be different than what we coin it. And that's why we see the Mandela effect, because other realities are bleeding into our reality, which makes the Mandela effect possible. 
You know, that's what I think the whole thing of the Mandela effect is, is, is other realities bleeding into our reality, other timelines merging with our timeline. And we've kind of went into this before, Jim. Remember you've talked about people that you thought might be trying to manipulate the timeline to bring about like a more negative timeline and somebody who might be trying to manipulate the timeline to bring about like a more positive timeline? Yeah, I, I have a, a friend in Norway. Uh, we were talking about this Mandela effect. And uh, he had his computer on and he was telling a friend of his about the Mandela effect. And um, he, he, he showed the computer to his friend. And just, just as they both looked at it, the spelling of the word on the computer changed. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, um, someone wanted to know about your art. That Azik, that's Jim's art behind him. He painted all those. Azik wants to know what is what are the sacred geometry pictures behind Jim? That's Jim's art. Jim's a Jim's an artist. That's why he goes by the um, the name Rebel Artist on YouTube or on on Gmail on YouTube. His name is Rebel. What does Rebel Artist mean? Well, Rebel means to celebrate. So you're basically you're like celebrating art. Yeah. How long would you say it takes you to paint one of those pictures? Those are beautiful, by the way. Well. This one here took a year. That's amazing. That, and that one I've, I've used as a thumbnail for a video before. That one kind of shows like like a whole scope of like the world or our timelines, right? Yeah, it, it's Krishna holding the, the world in one hand. And in the other hand, he's holding prayer beads, which is really the message, you know. And uh, I, I spent like five hours a day for a whole year. And, you know, people think they have a lot of patience, but actually I, I don't have any patience at all. Uh, I had to force myself to do that five hours a day, and I basically didn't like it. But, it, you know, at the very end, uh, it's a very rewarding feeling to finish a, you know, a pencil sketch that's that big. Yeah, I can imagine. Like, what about the one, the other ones with all the color patterns in them? Like, how did you do those? Like, how long did like the one behind you? How long did it take you to do that? Uh, very easy, like like a day or two. Wow. This one here is a portal. Oh, that's cool. I like that. It's trippy. I'd like to look at those when I was on shrooms or even THC. You know, like which I have before because I've done shows with you on shrooms. So I, I, but I just haven't got to kind of gaze at them. You know. Um. Oh, and, and speaking of that, Zaza wants to know, Jim, have you experienced DMT or psychedelics before a spiritual experience and your thoughts on the DMT realm? Uh, the, the DMT I'm not really familiar with, but uh, back in the 60s, I, I did quite a bit of LSD. And uh, from that experience, I learned how to self-hypnotize and go into a trance. Wow. And what 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 do you, what can you do? I mean, just like like be able to kind of manifest things a little bit better, or what is that kind of what you're able to do with that? I I still do it today. Um, I can go into a trance state through self hypnosis, and that's where I get my ideas for the artwork. Last, last night, I wanted to tell you guys, like last night, I felt I I can't believe I'm so glad that he brought this up about psychedelics because. Last night I took I took mushrooms and I took um, I took a little bit of a, um, a chocolate edible that I had and then I laid down for sleep and and um, I feel like I had a Kundalini awakening like as I closed my eyes I could picture this like this buzzing started going up my back it almost felt like like a like a like a conveyor belt was attached to my back but as what was going up my back was like as this was buzzing a uh, a snake started appearing like up my back, but it was coming through my eyes and I could see the snake. And then the snake was pouring energy into my pineal gland. And then from my pineal gland, the energy was exploding and, and some of it was funneling back in. Then it turned into like this big shape and the shape was pouring down the information back into my body. It was the most trippy experience in my life. I don't know if that was actually a, like a, um, like a uh, like a Kundalini experience, or if it was just something from the trip that 
you know, like but it was. It's, it definitely seemed real, though. It seemed so real. I, you know, it was crazy. Yeah, that was definitely a Kundalini snake. Is that what that is? Yeah, definitely. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Kundalini energy moves the way that a snake moves. In fact, that the two snakes that are in the caduceus, which is the the medical symbol, that represent Kundalini. Yeah, and they say that goes back to like Thoth and Enki, supposedly, yes. like the serpent knowledge, right? Yes. That's fascinating. Um, the Kundalini energy is is what Adam and Eve discovered when they were tempted by the serpent. Okay, uh, let me see here. Zaza says this. He says, Jim, I've heard LSD trips tear apart the veil of this reality even as a fleeting experience. Any conclusions you've drawn about the nature of our reality? Well, I, I don't do drugs. It's been a long, long time since I did it. Uh, the, the whole idea of taking any kind of a drug now just kind of makes me nervous. And, uh, you know, I'm completely sober. And I... I like being sober and uh, I like being alert and being conscious and all that stuff. But, you know, back in the 60s when we were teenagers, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun doing that stuff. I mean, you know, I, I remember this one time there was a whole bunch of us down in the cellar and, uh, you know, we, we, you know, it was totally dark down there and we had incense burning and we were twirling the incense like this, and we were making sounds, you know, like, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, our lives was just so goddamn boring, you know, from having parents to deal with and going to school and the, the war in Vietnam and all this other bullshit that was going on, you know, taking an LSD trip was like therapy. Yeah. Uh, he says that the paintings in the background are similar to, uh, DMT, the DMT experience with, with by general consensus. Like, yeah, I, I would say, I would say they are like, I mean, I I've done DMT Zaza, if you want to know, and it's very like mathematical geo like geometry. I thought that I was going to like enter some alternate world. And I thought that like, I, I was going to, you know, encounter the machine elves. None of that happened. I just saw a lot of shapes and numbers I've had I've had more profound experiences on mushrooms, believe it or not. You know, like I, I listened to Frank. Frank told me to take and you know, I shouldn't talk a lot real openly on my channel about drug use. Cause like, by the way, guys, I'm not condoning any drug use. I don't want any of you to ever use any drugs. I think and I think everybody's consciousness should be theirs to explore on their own. But at the same time, I don't condone any drug use. But so what I do is just me. So that's that's that. But I've had many, many, many uh, more profound mushroom trips than DMT. And DMT is stronger, but maybe I just haven't had the right DMT. You know what I mean? And maybe I've had the, like really good shrooms. It's just, you know, but you can take a lot of shrooms and have a similar to a DMT trip. And But I'll tell you, going back to your last question about what do I think this reality is? I think we're definitely in a simulation. I, that's from, from like, and it, it didn't take psychedelic experiences to recognize that it took like just like kind of research you know what i mean like i i'm just kind of doing these podcasts more and more podcasts i do the more it leads me to believe that we're in a simulated reality i really truly believe that i don't i think it's more biological i think we're, it's like biological to a certain degree but i do believe we're in some kind of holographic reality you know i mean i can't explain it you know like um, the psychedelics did help with that though. Yeah, they did open me up. Like, I don't know what opened me up to this Kundalini experience though. It's really interesting because like, you know, before this, I told you guys I was having buzzing in my pineal gland. I was having like tingling in my pineal gland, tingling in my crown chakra. Then last night it all led up to this weird serpent like kundalini whatever experience. But I'll tell you what, a lot of people like say they freak out about their kundalini experiences. I don't I feel the same. I don't feel any different. I feel, you know, um, I don't know. Hey, I want to tell you a story about Dr. Patrick Flanagan. Because, you know, it's kind of related to what we're talking about here. Okay. He uh, he, he bought some uh, ayahuasca 
from a guy who turned out to be an agent. And um, it gave, the guy gave him a huge amount. And, he, and the guy told him, uh, drink the whole thing. Well, he had a wife, so he, he gave half of it to his wife, but there was enough in there to, to kill six people. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not making light of it or cracking a joke here. He, he died from it. Oh, my God. That's not funny. That's horrible. He, he was dead for half an hour when he came back to life. Oh, they, they say that. They say it's they say sometimes. So it's not only they say that you experience an ego death, but some people actually experience like death, death. Like they will actually like die and come back to life, which that doesn't sound too appealing to me. That sounds scary. Yeah. And, and this was the third time he had been assassinated. Well, let me tell you about the experience he had on the ayahuasca. He came to this huge temple, and he knew that if he went inside this temple, he was going to see everything, okay? And he decided he didn't want to see it. So he turned around and started walking away, and he heard this big, booming voice say to him, turn around, go inside, and take a look. Okay, so he went inside and what he found out was that at one point they had hypnotized him and they gave him a code word. And this code word was passed out to people that wanted, you know, they wanted to ha have him like a sex slave type of thing. Okay? <laughs> so, so what they would do is they'd call him up on the phone and they would say this code word. And it would hypnotize him, hypnotize him, and then they would meet at a at a hotel somewhere, and and then he was being sexually abused by all of these. No uh, way! Are you serious? That's insane. Yeah. That's so insane. Who was doing this to him? Celebrity. <clears throat> <clears throat> was it like the CIA or something? Jim, that's a hilarious story. That's uh, that, that's uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's that's interesting. Um, um, I'm trying to think if we have anything else to talk about. Um, there's a lot of people talking about DMT and I'll, and shrooms in the chat. Um, uh, let me see here. Uh, well, I guess uh, I guess we'll finish up with that. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about for tonight, Jim? Uh, no. Okay, I just wanted to tell you guys, like, I just have to say this now at the beginning of every show, or at the end of every show, because, like, it'll help me in the long run if I say it. I don't ever want to push advertisers on you guys, but I just want to say that this is a viewer-supported show, so when you either donate or join the Patreon or buy merch or uh, use one of my affiliates, so there's four ways that you can help the podcast. You can donate, you can buy merch, you can um, use one of my affiliates, or you can... Um, what was the last one? Or join the Patreon. When you do any of those, it really just supports the podcast and it lets me continue my mission. And I don't, I don't, and just you guys watching is good too, but ad revenue stinks. So like, I mean, I, it's just great to have a platform to like talk on, you know, but I don't make anything off YouTube. So yeah, this is definitely a viewer supported program. So with all that said, but uh, I don't want to like push advertising. I would never do that to you guys. I'm not going to be one of those guys it stands here and like promotes a, a video for two minutes out of the time. Like I just can't do that. So I always say the links are in the description if you're interested or, you know, and all that, but Jim, do you want to tell them um, where, um, uh, what, uh, where to reach you and everything? Yeah. My Facebook link. Oh, wait, we had one more question. Um, Zaza wants to know, he want, you can answer one more question, Jim, if that's okay. He says, can you talk more about your books and your biggest takeaways from your books? I know you have Dice Code Divination, then you have um, the, the new book, The Matrix is the Glitch, and then um, I always forget the other one. But can you talk about your books and your biggest takeaways from them? Uh, I think the best thing for her to do is uh, send me a friend request on Facebook and her email address. And I can send the PDF files through an email. Oh, it's a guy. He's a guy. Zaza's a guy. That's just his uh his his uh picture. But, 
um, he can definitely de definitely do that. But like, what would you say your biggest takeaways are from your books, though? Like Dice Code Divination and and uh, The Matrix is the Glitch. Basically, all the same things I've been talking about in these interviews, like <clears throat> the artwork and the music and the books and the poetry. It, it's all the same message. Yeah. That you talk about the matrix, time travel, the Mandela effect, like um, all the other, all the stuff we talk about on here, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, and I, I put the link for the book in the description. So, all right, guys, thank you for tuning in tonight. And uh, yeah, and until next time, and we'll see you guys. Have a good night. All right. So.